It's two o'clock in the morning, and as I awaken, I realize that this is the right moment to do the foreword for this particular podcast. As I wake up and I meditate and I try to fall back to sleep, and the constant thought that's going through my mind is what an honor it is, what a privilege for me to be able to do such work, for me to have only rubbed shoulders with such heroes, such absolute brilliant designers and pilots and such natural people, such genuine people. The actual video podcast, a habit that I've started to get into and a really nice one, you can look at the people, uh, starts with Torsten with his five-year-old daughter on his lap, educating her, because it was his time, as he clearly says, um, to be doing the homeschooling while his wife, the doctor, is at work and they take turns while he then plows through his work in the afternoon and evenings. It made me realize what a busy life and to look into such a beautiful mind of such a genius is really something special for me. As we started, I pulled in my bag of tricks and presented a small magic trick to his five-year-old daughter, who right near the end of the podcast came back into the room and immediately demanded another magic trick, which was an absolute delight for me to, to do again. Torsten, right near the end of the podcast, you might hear him saying in his absolutely delicious laugh, says, I've spoken for an hour. I don't think I've ever spoken so much in my life. And I think that's a compliment in itself. Enjoy it as I did. Staying Alive in Paragliding, a podcast series with your host, Steph Juncker from Cape Town, South Africa, the owner of Parapax Tandem Paragliding and a competition pilot of 23 years. Real podcasts for real pilots. To learn from, to laugh at, and to enjoy the funny and crazy stories that go with it. Folks, I have great, great joy in introducing Torsten to this podcast series. As I said, he just accepted and on the recommendation of other fantastic guys said contact uh, Torsten for sure. It was actually Uli Prince who said definitely you, you really want to have Torsten on your podcast. So thanks to Uli and you are born in my lucky year, uh, 69. It's my lucky number. You have, uh, when you were 20 years old, finished university in Germany. In fact, I have to also make a comment that you're a very elusive man. You're not a man to find much information on. I like to just look who is who and get to know them. And, but for you, I really had to look. So I just want to actually read off Torsten's site, which is uh, flygincanada.com. And here is a little blurb written about the man himself. Uh, Torsten is responsible for gin gliders distribution in Eastern Canada. But that is probably the least of his roles. Born in 1969 in Fulda in Germany, he began paragliding in 1989, so 20 years old. And straight away he had his plan together because Torsten, after graduating as an engineer from Heilbronn University, he formed development and testing for aeronautical products. His field of work involved research, construction, developments of air sport products. Now, guys, it doesn't just stop at paragliders, which would say that the kind of products like the Leopard, which have just amazed paraglider world, uh, with uh, Petra coming first at the top in the worlds on that very glider, D-glider. So he doesn't only do paragliders, it's also powered paragliders, ram air kites, flex wings, speed riders, and rescues. 
In 2013, you joined Jin and you work with the R&D team in Europe and in Korea. And it gives me really, really great pleasure to see you, Torsten. Thank you very, very much for accepting again to chat to me and maybe part of the paragliding world. I have a few questions, of course, to, to ask you. And let's start with the leopard. How is the leopard? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, also definitely, um, I think we are all uh, very proud of the leopard. And I have to say it's... Uh, Sometimes I think about when you have some some music bands and when they have a very nice uh, album out or when 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 they reach uh, a, a nice peak, it's something was was the same with the leopard. We were all aware we created something very special after after two and a half years of of development. It was uh, all the ideas we had, uh, the struggling to get on the peak of the performance and uh, make the swing uh, definitely fly very nice and uh, get it into the ENT um, certification and everything. So it was a, was a big project with, with a few drawbacks when uh, especially uh, performance wise uh, in between everything. No, we, we have to investigate more, uh, we have to make more research and, and find out everything working. So for me, it was, was definitely a big thing also working all around the world with this glider from uh, testing in the strong conditions, Mexico, then this very hard, small thermals in Korea, um, then uh, also with all our pilots in Europe. So it was, it was a big project, took longer than we expected, but finally also with all the feedback and the success uh, the last year it was definitely something which was was outstanding that we created something complete new which was never there at Jink gliders before uh, like a two-liner in the END class and also a big missing link uh, at Jink gliders um, together with the Bonanza 2 the CND wings was for several years we, we had no competitive gliders there and now with all wings with the Bonanza and the Leopard we uh, was for the first time since since many years we had a complete product range from from the highest to the lowest level in, in, in paragliding so this made us very proud I have to say and was um, a great teamwork and showed also once again that without this kind of teamwork you cannot succeed proper this was also very nice. I had a lot of, it was, was a pleasure to work with all the pilots around the world, with the engineers, and uh, for sure with all the team in Korea. So it was, yeah, it was a great time now, yeah. Now you seem like a guy who really works very hard. I mean, if I look at you, uh, I don't want it to be meant badly, but you look like you work hard. Like you could have a siesta at any time. Because you're always, <laughs> sorry, I don't mean it badly, but <laughs> but uh, so your work keeps you obviously very very busy, if I'm not mistaken. You're also a family man. I just saw your young daughter there. Tell us mm -hmm. about your life because this is nowhere to be found, and it's this is not an advert about you or anything like that. But um, you know, you've got to fit it all in. You know, you don't only run a company of your own, designing all sorts of different stuff. You also to run a, a family and uh, tell us about that. Yeah, especially uh, now with the with the lockdown. As my kids, they are five and seven years old, and normally they are visiting the German school in Toronto. So yeah, like all 
fathers or families now who have to deal with a lockdown and uh, and a closed school. So yeah, you become more or less a teacher now in between. This is the main thing. The days are, are extreme long. Uh, this is this is the thing. You try to prepare everything to uh, at least keep them running on the schedules uh, with with learning. You try to be there also as a as a as a parent, uh, a father, and everything. And uh, for sure, you like to do a little bit of sports for yourself, and then all the the, the work which is still there. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm not alone, and everyone who has families currently at home uh, know what's going on. So yeah, you sleep about five six hours a day, and uh, normally I like to sleep seven hours at least. <laughs> I wonder, I don't got gray hair, but I got more wrinkles again. So this is... <laughs> ah, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, my next question is about uh, the, all the different wings that you fly. You fly all sorts of things. You've developed all sorts of things. You, you play with all sorts of things. I kite surf, went kiting in Toronto in mm. four degree water and two degree uh, air in Cherry Beach. And I just had my kiting uh, unsug from uh, wetsuit from, from South Africa. Shut up, let's go. Um, <laughs> I took an Uber down from the apartment we were staying down, like uh, with all my clothes, and I and I found some guys that were just running their cars. Their V8s were just running while they went kiting. Yeah. So, what what do you like to play with? And uh, what's um, my second question will be: What do you see as a what's what's coming? Um, obviously, you know all sorts of wings, ram air systems, and all sorts. Of yeah, okay, mainly the, um, let's say, to, to the last question, what's coming, this is something which is, is very hard to predict, especially now, I think, with the uh, COVID situation, which is affecting all the companies in a, in, in a big way. Let's say, what I would hope, because the developments we, we did now, also over the last years that we reached performance safety wise, um, I, I think the gliders are, are pretty good, but it's currently definitely piteous that the lifespan of the wings is very short. Also, there was also a quite interesting report from, I guess, Luca Moore, um, who mentioned after two years, normally um, the sales drops quite dramatically of a model and um, the, the, the third year or the fourth year, you're not selling it anyway anymore. So this is a little bit of pity because it keeps um, still with these customers who are pushing this and developing uh, or, or pushing us to come out with new models. Um, so what I would hope is that a lifespan could be a little bit longer. Let's say that uh, also these models now, like we have it especially with the uh, CCC wings where the, the, the boomerang is now three years old, even the uh, um, the answer is, is, is pretty old for actually for a paraglider, but still these are the best performing wings somewhere somehow. And we see this also in, in the power paragliders, also the life cycles, they are a little bit longer normally. So hopefully this would be some interesting thing that we say, okay, the life cycles of the wing get a little bit longer, which gives you also more time to develop more in deep a little bit. There are still a lot of new ideas, very interesting possibilities, but sometimes it's very hard to put them into these these life cycles where you have to say, okay, within two years you have to come out with a new model again because it's demanded by the market because otherwise you cannot sell it anymore. 
So maybe this whole situation, I think we will end up with, with something new after the COVID um, pandemic because it's, um, I don't think it can go on like this. But nevertheless, also coming back to this, it's, it's, it never stops really because there are so many still ideas, possibilities in paragliding design to build the wings. And uh, also the great thing is with Chin over the last years, we saw the possibility, and this is this is so huge. Also, it's, it's it's definitely something you are you're working in in, in, in this small space, but it's like uh, it's it's like a universe. So it's like uh, so many different possibilities where we like to do more research and, and and focus on. So so for sure, still it won't be boring till the end. There will be nice new designs and everything. I was just with a leopard because you mentioned it. Like like five six years ago, we we never would expect to build something like this that it's possible. But now we see that we we can uh, go for things like this and achieve it. And I think uh, yeah, for the from the performance wings, looking back to the others, so I'm I'm not afraid. Even now, I'm I'm scared that we have too many ideas and that there are too many possibilities sometimes. But there's a, there there are a lot of things to do, and I think this drives us all. These, these being a little bit like like a child, these all this excitement about the new things, and when you um, find out something, you say, "Wow, yeah, this is something." We have to look more into it. This is maybe something we can adapt, and it's it's always this being open-minded, which drives us. I think this is the the, the major thing. Also, jing gliders, that all the pilots which I'm working with, they they, they have definitely this this passion for this, and. It's not just by saying it, it's, it's just now when we're recognizing after after months no flying, I'm being aware how much I miss it. Also this is uh, this is quite interesting. Sometimes you get your fill, but uh, or many times I cut my fill. Yeah, it's our life. Also this is a big thing, yeah. No, that's really, really nice. Uh, it's really wonderful to listen to you. I've had uh, the real great honor of speaking to another couple of constructors, uh, Bruce Goldsmith and Peter Ricek mm-hmm. from MacBarra. Even Russ Ogden and the YouTube to, to just to remember how Russ Ogden is as a character, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I heard him saying with a little bit that I'm sure you saw it, but uh, he, he says, "Oh, you know," and the guys at Jin they can carry on working, and you know it's like a little bit of a fun in the paragliding community. I think I think uh, anyone who takes all of this stuff too seriously, it's it's not great. Um, but I'm also relieved to hear what you say about the three-year cycle as opposed to a two-year kind of cycle for, for paragliders. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not three or four years, you know, give you guys a bit of a break and actually uh, maybe not be so competitive in bringing gliders out, but just chill out a bit more and come out with something more, wow, you know, uh, have more time to work on a, maybe just, just food for thought, what I'm saying. Yeah. Now yeah. let's talk about Jenny a little bit. I mean, Jin has uh, a lot of products on offer. I mean, just to have a quick look and to try and uh, stalk you a little bit, find out about you. I had a little look and like gliders like the Bolero. So you have 13 gliders um, uh, in your range, it seems. Uh, you have 15 harnesses. You have five PPG gliders, uh, paramotor gliders. You have mini wings. I looked at the name, the Atlas II. Bloody beautiful glider. Bonanza II uh, was flying with us in uh, uh, December here in Portable. Pepe Maleki and I made a small course, and we had a young American guy who flew uh, Bonanza 2. The thing was really flying nicely, even staying with us. Really, really nice one. 
The Yeti's in its fourth generation. The Fuse 2 is used a lot in Cape Town. We have 15 paragliding companies up there on the mountain in Signal Hill. There are about 40 pilots. Many of them use the Fuse 2. I also had a chance to try it and fly it quite dynamically. Oh, it's flying bloody well. So, you know, you've got a lot of work when it comes to gin. I go on Jin's website and I don't find anything about you guys. Um, is there some thinking behind that that you don't put the family of? So, so mainly about this is is when you have uh, um, like like one or one or two persons uh, pointing out. I, I don't think it's is the right approach because it's it goes together with the with the whole family. For sure, Jin is like. A, a person which is so well known in, in, in the whole world in the paragliding market because he's there forever with uh, extreme unique special designs and everything. Um, he will always stick out, but it's uh, with all our others, it's like it's it's more like team based. Uh, you have a wife. Uh, what does she do in her life? Yeah, my my wife. This is the main reason. Also, she's a she's a doctor, and you can imagine that currently uh, she has a lot to do. Her father's also a doctor. They are working both in the in the practice here, and with the COVID situation, um, they have to deal pretty different with all their patients and everything. They are not in the hospital and not really frontliners, but for sure, it's like uh, also changed their way of of working quite a lot. And the mainly also in this case we have to take care to protect the kids and, and, and the family when, when she's coming home, so to, to separate these things. Yeah, luckily we we all know that kids don't seem to be so uh, have so much problems with the COVID situation, whatever. But yeah, so so, so therefore she is she's out and we are taking shifts. In the morning time, when you are calling now, um, I take care, and when she's coming home, then she takes over. I try to do my work. Justin, well done, man. You get a medal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very cool. Now, a bit about flying, if that's cool. I mean, you have nobody needs to introduce you to the world. You know, you've held on to the number one place in civil for a very long time. You've been up at number one many, many times, and all that kind of thing. Maybe you've got some middle of the ground pilots kind of tips or right beginner tips that you can or maybe your two or three or four or even just one top thing that you say definitely mm -hmm. this is my yeah yeah for for competitions i have this also with our younger pilots i think the the, the, the main thing is what we should keep is the joy of flying also this is uh in, in the competitions, I, I saw a lot our our society gets more and more focused on results and um, more and more driven. Yeah, damn it, I lost two minutes here or there. So many times uh, when we are not the number one, we see only the bad things or we, uh, we have regrets that we uh, made two more turns and uh, whatever, or that we, we flew too fast or too low and then we didn't make a goal. Um, Let's say what where I start to having definitely pleasure again, and what I'm missing now is once you accept all the the rules of the game, and if you just see it as a game, then you have a lot of pleasure in in, in competition flying. So this is this is the thing because there will be uh, more or less each day there will be th some some points where you where you didn't fly optimize, and that's that's your whole life is about it. So you you have always uh, 
things also in your life where you think, oh, damn it, I should do this different or this. And paragliding or paragliding competition is a, is a small three, four hour game of life where you start, you are, you are flying and then you're landing. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. There are a lot of parallel things uh, when you think about this. But yeah, main thing I would say, keep, keep the joy and, 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 and learn from each day. Don't take it too serious. Have, a, have like half an hour, hour reflection after, after a task and then also do other things. Don't let it overwhelm you. And so uh, I think this helped me definitely a lot uh, to become a, a pilot who have, have, have pleasure with flying and everything. Yeah. I was also getting aware now there are so many things which you can look on the internet, on YouTube or, or podcasts. So I think if I talk more, it's getting boring. I know the attention span is also five minutes normally for a video, then people are stopping. So, it's like, so we better stop now. <laughs> a lot of people, believe it or not, Austin, you just feel like a normal guy, right? You just feel like, okay, I'm just Austin. I go, I've got a family, I go to work. I, this is what I do and whatever. But a lot of people would be, Austin is speaking. Let me just come and listen a little bit. Damn it, there are these old guys. <laughs> Do you know who is Andre Bucher? To him, he's not in very good health, but uh, he's been flying gyrocopters in Namibia, and he's okay. telling me some stories. He doesn't feel so healthy to come onto a podcast, so I respect that, you know, of mm -hmm, course. Mm -hmm. And uh, But he's telling me something. If the younger guys look at us and say, oh, okay, you know what? I could actually kind of learn something from those guys. Uh, uh learn they, they need more sleep to avoid all these wrinkles <laughs> come on let's face it uh, the young guys are, are millennials they don't know what work is they don't know what uh... <laughs> <laughs> so you've owned quite a lot of gliders in your time recently i've been flying uh, my uh, going back a few gliders i had some uh, swing stuff for two for three then I went on to Boomers 9 and 10, which were both bloody fabulous gliders. And I didn't get a Boom 11. I just buy a glider when there's an offer. For example, then I went to an Enzo 2, and then, and then I got an Enzo 3 at a competition because a Russian guy had thrown his reserve two days in, the, in a row. And Aftium said, I don't want this thing. So he sold it, and I got an Enzo 3. Being a young German who was an engineer and being interested, you were trying things a bit. I want to hear from you some horror experience that's was just turned out fine. Something that uh, I'm sure you've got lots of those, but uh, did you have at the, in your early days some kind of experience that happened to you that you can think of that you'd rather not have done? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So quite a lot. I have to say, the uh, when you think when I started flying in 89 and also the designs there, it was just starting with the computer at the designs and but mainly a lot of things were done by hand and our knowledge was was not this far uh, how we are today. So um, definitely we had a lot of dangerous uh, designs and there are, uh, especially with the comp wings, there are a few wings which uh, I, I would be scared today to fly again. And uh, I think many times back and I'm not sure if I was stupid or not aware or whatever, but it was a very special combination of pushing yourself, um, underestimating the risk and everything, and um, 
which which brought you in in situations when I think about now I, I still get get uh, wet hands and start sweating. So th this is mainly the bad experience. Uh, are for sure a few there with which I uh, luckily which are more or less gone because we are much more experienced, much more analyzed, and it's quite rare that we have wings which are yeah not working at all. So this is something. This is this is gone and. Uh, yeah, there were, um, was the, the time, with, especially with, uh, when we started, also when I started with UP, this, this was, uh, it's not related to the company, but it was the, the time where everyone came out with, with kind of, of crazy special designs, try out a lot of things. So this were, they were definitely very, very special, these, these times. And therefore, I think for sure, the, when it was the first company I started with and um, this, this was something where your dream comes true. So I, I, I still for sure think as it is, these first years there, they were very, very special with a lot of um, deep friendships, special people there. Um, so this is something I, I also like to remember, but it's for sure diverted with uh, all the crazy stuff we did where we were just lucky, I have to say. So and a few few people they paid for this. I was always lucky that I, I never crashed hard. I, I never broke any bone in my whole career. So it's like pretty special about this. <laughs> so, so I'm but I, I was also lucky, I have to say this is not by skills or by by whatever, it was just by pure luck. And I'm aware of this. And therefore, I'm also grateful with a, with a lot of things so that I made it until now and sitting here can drink my coffee, can go still for my runs. Is there a name of an absolute worst glider that you, that you have? Can you just think like it was the Gambit Sea? Were you responsible for that horrible thing? Yeah, I think one of the nastiest ones was the XG77. So this was something this was definitely in my in my early it had not even a name but this was this was horrible as it was uh, nearly impossible to take off and it has these uh, very nice things where you when something happens it was so easy to stall deep stall or with big shootings so it was always so super hard to to handle to when we say about active flying to keep it over you but as soon as something happened it, to, to the glider, it was horrible to control. As it was something uh, definitely where you made a, a few flights and you think, oh, God damn it, I don't get a hold with this wing. It was like uh, definitely too demanding. It was always this, this super stressful thing because you wake up in the morning and you know, oh, <laughs> I, I hope I get it in the air. I, I, I hope it's not too strong in the air. And we don't, <laughs> so it was, the, it was for sure as a and then was I saying, why am I doing this? This is a kind of stupid <laughs> to fly with like this, uh, which just you wake up in the morning. It's like being married to the wrong woman. You know? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you wake up, you have your coffee and say, won't be fun at all today. <laughs> I have to say, if you waking up in the morning and the first thoughts, like the very first thoughts are not like, oh, have I got a woman to hug, give a kiss to or anything. Your first thoughts, I hope it's not going to be too strong today. <laughs> I hope the bitch is going to stay above me. Very cool. Okay, so that was the worst glider uh, you've ever owned. Uh, we clearly know that now. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, at which stage of your development you've been with Jinsu 2000? 
2013, do you think you've won glider that you've produced that you've been like most proud about, Sarsten? Doesn't matter at which stage of 2013 until now. Was it the first one you designed? Was it a, a Boomerang 9? Was it today's um, 11? Okay. We, we, had, uh, we had a fuse and um, also the first fuse and the sprint. This was the thing when, uh, when I came to Jing Gliders where we had a look on the product range and what he was currently working on. Then these were the, were the first two wings I was, we, we, we started to work on. Are those the gliders that you, that you produced that you feel most proud of? Is there one glider that you, when it released or a year or two later, you went, wow, I'm so, I'm really, really, that's, I would like to put my biggest gold star on that one. Yes, it's a little bit also how it develops. Also, the main thing is, for example, then with, from the Fuse and when we updated it to the Fuse 2. And this was very nice because we were a little bit out of the tandem market, but with the Fuse and especially with the Fuse 2, it was something where we had a great comeback. And still, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's meanwhile, I think it's, it's a very outstanding tandem. And I think I like these things even more when the product enters slowly into the market, but going up, up, you get more feedback, people spreading more, uh, talking about it. It's, so this was very nice to, to see how it works when you have a good product, how it's recognized by the, by the pilots, and then how, how the sales are growing. And um, with the tender market, it's luckily like this, that the models are a little bit longer there. Pilots are just happy with it and buying then a second, a third time. And as I have to say about the fuse, we, we are all very proud, especially me. And then mainly for sure, it's when, when you see the designs of a boomerang or also of a leopard, it's like, I have to say, I have to make a big compliment to uh, our production, to Jongmok, who is, who is organizing this, because they are so crazy complicated now with so many different parts and this is also something I, I'm very proud at Jing Gliders that we are able to make these things because it's like uh, I think for, for a few companies it wouldn't be even possible to produce them with a, with a certain quality that, uh, that they are working out the way how they are working. So this is on the on the high end something for sure which is which is very remarkable and uh, also for sure with the leopard, the good feedback from the last year was, was a big relief after, after especially these, these long projects. And, um, but yeah, and, and, and meanwhile, with all the experience we have, um, it's, it's a pleasure to design out the new wings because we, we have enough ideas to update them. I think we are very into, as we, we, we get now the ideas how the customers like to have our wing uh, and we expanding our teamwork to get more ideas to to make the gliders fitting for 90% of the pilots. And uh, this is now where yeah, we're looking forward to do this completely again after the COVID situation. Um, luckily, the boys can fly in, in Korea because they manage it much better. Then we have to see how we all can go go back to, to work. Any message for the world out there in general about our current situation or maybe just a uh, something you'd like to say to everybody in the world, something positive or anything? Yeah, mainly I, I think um, I'm reading also a, a lot of books currently. I had a Jordan Peterson, The Twelve Rules for Life. Uh, then I have uh, David Guggins, Can't Hurt Me. I like this a lot for the, for the motivation. 
my three favorite book tips for you. This is quite interesting. You see, and especially the Kant, also this is this is what I definitely recommend because sometimes you are so stick to your life and you think everything has to go on like this. Um, but we should also learn that life also means that we have changes in our life and um, that you not regret what happened and that you cannot continue it. You just see it as, as a chance and uh, try out new things because also sometimes beside paragliding there are a lot of special things in life which we maybe don't see because we are just focused on one thing. And um, I think, yeah, mainly to be more more humble and more thankful. These are the words from old people always, I know. But it's like uh, at the end of your life, when you lift uh, quite a lot of things, you, you start recognizing things a little bit different and appreciate it more. You don't take everything for granted. And like you say, even we with the lockdown in Toronto, man, it's... What's wrong with this? As if we have enough food, we 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 it's it's dry. I have enough space here. Um, can still go out with the kids. So it's it's nothing where we where we are suffering. It's just not very convenient. As they are the, the icing on the cake is just missing. But I still have a nice cake here. And I think this is what the people are forgetting many times that it's uh, yeah. There's just one small thing. It's not perfect. And then then. It's not all fucked up through this, isn't it? It's still nice. So this is um, this is the thing also what I try at least teach teach the kids and they they get it very well and they make the best of the day and this is uh, all we can do make the best of the situation and uh, maybe yeah make some changes. Uh, which then I start running a lot now. Holy man! I normally I go in the gym, but now I'm running. <laughs> It's different, no, but 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 mainly, yeah, do some different things and, and and still enjoy it. Yeah, you are reading three books, and you have your kids, and you have your work. It's fantastic. <laughs> Congratulations! You're not complaining and saying, you know, but you could be. Complaining don't yeah. make it better, isn't it? It's just it's and it's about you. It's it's always easy to blame others or the situation. But at the end, it's it's, it's you, as it's it's how you are reflecting the world and what you see into it. And um, so I think mainly you can. It's it's the same thing. It's it's a good thing with paragliding competition when you make a decision. It's not working out proper. You are somewhere low. You have to catch up. All the others are in front. Yeah, you can be angry about it, or you can see it as a game and try to catch up and do the best out of it and still enjoy the game to fly it. And I think this is the same thing with our current situation now. Uh, Russell Achterberg, uh, he, do you know him, the South African pilot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was saying, Russell, you're a complete introvert. And he says, yes, and I'm also risk averse. As I take off at the competition, I try and get away from the mountain, get into the safe zone and stay in a safe place all the time. And in fact, that disadvantages me at the start because I'm always behind because I don't want to be in that mad gaggle. There's something pulling me back to my family, my kids. No? And uh, he says, so I always start backwards. But that's okay. It's like you describing, Tarsten. Two mm -hmm. turns too much. And a lot of guys, their whole day will be falling apart. And they'd be whipping themselves, you know. Oh, terrible, terrible. What have you done? No, no. Just look and carry on. Take yeah. those challenges and move on, both in life and in flying. Yeah? yeah. And especially when you think about a competition like two years ago, where you were very angry about one of your decisions. And now you have to laugh about it because who cares what happened two years ago, isn't it? It's just something and you maybe 
you messed, messed up the whole day because uh, you were so angry about something and at the end it doesn't matter. Uh, how do you do your testing? You test somewhere in Europe. Where is that in Europe? How do you work with the team there? How do you work with the team back in Korea? So can you explain a little bit the dynamics and the logistics? And yeah, yeah. So, okay, in, in, in normal um, circumstances, the, the, the main testing is like always in Korea. And they have these, these good season with spring and uh, autumn. In winter time, also this winter was even still pretty good. Thanks to the global warming, I guess, it was, uh, was not as cold as, as it was usually. Um, but on the other side, summertime, yeah, you have the rainy season. So let's say normally in winter and in summer we are escaping somewhere somehow. A few times it was uh, now, especially for winter times when we went to, to Mexico, to Valle de Bravo, because more or less you have these, um, the possibility there to fly each day with very similar conditions and uh, do some some definitely great work there this is how the the most of european companies you can see them quite a lot in tenerife in in, in winter time when you when you cannot fly some terms in the alps so this is something what what we try to organize summertime yeah was quite often either when we are in europe it's based more or less around uh, annecy and switzerland because we have uh, one of our big importers like Eric is um, so we go there or sometimes there are a few times I've been uh, in, in Salt Lake City which has also the big advantage that you can fly uh, more or less each day there and from early in the morning uh, until to late in the evening so it always depends a little bit on the workload how far we think of the projects if you like to finalize something if you are more on a process where we say no we need a few more prototypes or whatever and then we decide actually where to go as a tradition we are also quite flexible and choose then the best options so uh, describe it to me is it a traveling roadshow with five guys and a whole bunch of gliders on airplanes or is it just no, it's, it's, it's definitely like a, a, a very uh, focused, concentrated thing where you say, okay, how many days we need, uh, which of the pilots are uh, necessary for this, and which uh, from, from our designers are going there, either, either Jin or me, in order to, um, to, to follow up with the project. So it's um, normally we are uh, like two to three people doing this, but we have uh, a great support always in the areas. So for example, in uh, Mexico, we have Manuel Quintanilla, who is organizing there everything for us. So he is he's there to help us out. He organized the driver and everything so we can do it so that it, we can work definitely like eight, 10, 12 days uh, um, in a row to finalize things. And um, also, like I say, in, in Salt Lake City, we have Chris Santa Grosch, who is um, doing a great job there, supporting us, uh, has the workshop there so that we can do everything. And the same thing is then in, in Europe with, uh, with Eric, uh, who is our main importer for France and supporting us there. So it's, it's combined always. And then we always can see what's the best solution to do. Besides this, Jin has a lot of great connections in China and Asia. So sometimes also it's, it's like there to go to either Japan or China when it's not working in Korea or even, um, yeah, they've been a few times in Taiwan to test and everything. So it's, 
always in order to get not stuck uh, with the development when the weather is not fitting or how the pilots are also available. Um, we uh, It's a little bit like a puzzle which we have to fit together and this is the way yeah, how we are doing this then. I flew in uh, uh, June wide open in uh, August last year at uh, Maxim's competition in Macedonia and uh, I really like the concept very much. It was really really nice. Um, it looks like, I didn't know about it, but Bruce Goldsmith told me that he's also trying such a format and they had the Shabre open from, from Ozone. I really, really, really like the idea that there's some kind of step between a more high-level competition and many, many pilots, I think, in the past have been kind of warded off competitions because they found it's a competition. I don't have to compete in paragliding. I'm happy to do a cross-country flight. But as you and I know, Torsten, competition is for fun. We drink a beer in the evening and we have a paid recovery plus we race each other over a course. So do you have a comment on that? Yeah, I, I agree with you. We also start recognizing with the format of the Chin Wide Open that it's maybe an even better approach to get people into cross-country flying and uh, especially to educate them proper because the nice thing with competition was at this level you immediately see where you make the mistake or what was the best line or whatever. So instead of flying alone and just thinking, yeah, maybe it would be better here or there, um, you have uh, much more instant feedback. It's like uh, same thing like having a digital camera on the past, the, the, the slides where you have to wait like for one week until you get your results. And with a digital camera, immediately you see, okay, oh, this this was the wrong setting for this. So this is the same thing with uh, flying these kind of comms. Um, also last year, Jin was there, uh, and he was also very impressed how how it goes, how much contact you have with the with the pilots. And I think this is also a nice thing. You can have these one-to-one -one talks that there's not these these big gaps sometimes also between the designers and the pilots about their needs, what they think about the wings and, and flying. So it's 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 a like kind of a brain pool a little bit, connecting each other and have it more in a family style, which we all like actually, because this is then it's at the end it's it's talking about flying. It's not so much anymore about specifically like gin gliders, it's more like the community of pilots who, who who love to fly and share their thoughts and also at the end have some 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 joy and fun together and maybe also some i mean you and i we don't have any problem i don't know any top pilots who have a problem to share their knowledge and to be just cool and just to be nice you know mm -hmm. and to uh, mentor if to be a good guy, to be a kind of fun, even unofficial instructor of the person and saying, oh, yeah, I watched you yesterday. Dude, that was a bad move. You went to the left-hand side there. You could have done that, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you know, uh, just something stuff. So, have you got anything else you want to bring up or say, uh, any message or anything? Yes, uh, <laughs> I guess I never talked so much, so for me, it's okay now. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. For okay. It was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh.